kind of option to walk away, right? Then, then yeah, then you kind of get into a default. Why do I have to show up? Uh, and so I think, yeah, you, you know, you almost want to kind of treat the relationship like, you know, you're like you're in survival mode almost, right? And like, how I do think I keep... Tony says, treat it like a business, right? It's like you do, you continue to do marketing and innovation. Right. Like that's what he right. says. That's right. That's true. Yeah. And that's kind of like the creativity and caring, right? So I love that. Hello and hola friends. Welcome to the Medicine, Marriage and Money podcast the only podcast for dual physician couples who want to achieve marital interdependence and financial freedom together. In this podcast, you will learn how to show up as the best version of yourself so that you can love intentionally and build a stronger and more financially savvy relationship with your spouse. And I am your host, a physician mom, a doctor's wife, and a life coach, Dr. Kate Mangona. Welcome, bienvenidos. Physician Wealth Services, PWS, is a fee-only financial planning firm devoted to the financial well-being of physicians. Ryan Inman, the founder of PWS and creator, host of the Financial Residency Podcast, developed a sense of responsibility to help physicians with their financial goals after witnessing how vulnerable his wife was to poor financial advice during residency. He was shocked at how many advisors tried to take advantage of her and her peers. Ryan started PWS as a fee-only practice so he could work exclusively with physicians who could truly benefit from unbiased, quality financial advice. Working with Ryan is simple and transparent. There are no assets under management, AUMPs, no products being sold, or commissions being paid out. Everything is included for a flat monthly fee, the way it should be. To work with Ryan so you can feel more in control of your money, contact him and his team at drpodcastnetwork.com forward slash physician wealth. Hello, friends. Victor is back. Thanks for joining us today, Victor. Thank you for inviting me into your home. We are beyond excited to introduce you guys to our guests on today's episode of Medicine, Marriage, and Money. I have bonded with and loved this couple since we first connected at a physician meetup a little over a year ago, and I know Victor has known them longer. Please welcome Drs. Letizia Alto and Kenji Asakura. Leti is a board-certified family medicine physician and currently splits her time between the hospital and running a real estate empire with her husband, Kenji, who is a board certified internal medicine physician and has been a serial entrepreneur since forever, medical school, maybe before. And on top of this, they have three beautifully strong children and travel the world together. Thank you guys for being here. Thank you. Wow. Thanks for having us and very early podcast, but very professional already. <laughs> I'm impressed. <laughs> First, I want to start out asking you to each individually, and you can give me your own answers here. What is your definition of marital interdependence and what does it take to achieve it and maintain it for perpetuity? In other words, what makes a successful marriage and how does it last? Yeah. So Kenji and actually talked about interdependence because I think it's from seven habits of highly effective people, right? So we talked about it years ago even. Um, and I really like that term because it's not independence where you're completely separate, but it's not codependence, right? Where you're dependent on each other for everything. Um, so for me, interdependence means that you're really, really connected and you support each other, but you don't have to have each other in order to, you know, be a, be a person, I guess, you know, like it, it, you still have your individuality as an, as a person and who you show up as, as in the world, but that other person is there with you, um, making you stronger and a better version of yourself. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think, uh, we were talking about this yesterday, uh, and it's a work in progress. Um, but you know, we all have, uh, manuals for each other or how, or expectations of how the other person should be, uh, whether it be, you know, love or children or business. And, uh, we have these expectations of each other, but, uh, I think putting aside those expectations, uh, uh, Tony Robbins always say trade, um, you know, expectation for appreciation, right? So you know, I think that's a really important, you know, kind of concept, you know, kind of moving into appreciation and kind of respecting kind of the other person's individuality. Uh, and I think that this really played out in our business, um, 
it's played out in other parts of our lives, but especially in our business where there was a point where we decided that uh, Letizia would be the in charge of our, you know, our blog and our course. Uh, and then I would be in charge of the real estate. So she's the CEO of, you know, that business. I was the CEO of, of the real estate business. And so I think that separation, that respect that the other person uh, can take, can take charge and, uh, you know, and, and really kind of grow. I think that that, that trigger was almost, uh, I think, it was, at least from my perspective, I think it was kind of important uh, for you to kind of say, you know, well, this is, this is, this is my ship, you know, I, I gotta, I gotta captain it. So I think that was a really big, uh, an important change. Yeah. I think that's a good example of interdependence, right? It's, it's, we're both individuals. We both lead different companies, but yet we're so involved in each other's companies. I mean, we have meetings every week to talk about our real estate. And then of, of course we're working on our blog together all the time and the content we both produce together. But at the same time, we respect each other's individuals and, and decision-making it, you know, comes down ultimately to whoever's the CEO. Okay. And that's what makes your marriage successful and, and last. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not just, I mean, I think business is a source of potential conflict. Money is another source of conflict, but being, you know, being aligned kind of uh, being, uh, you know, respecting the other uh, person's opinion and thoughts and, and whatnot, I think is really important. But for a lasting marriage, I actually think that you know, the key is a little bit different. I mean, in my opinion, obviously we've been together eight years. So, I mean, this hasn't been, you know, 50 year marriage, but um, for that, I would answer a little bit differently. And I would say that I think it's making or knowing that we're each other's most important person. Like I know more than our kids, more than our business. I know everything else is way less important than I am to him. And so ultimately that means that we're each other's priorities and if, you know, decision, every decision is made according to that lens, you know, and I know Kenji, for example, has been saying to us, like, we really need to take Wednesdays off just for us to go hiking and to, you know, have that day off from the business. And I know that comes from a space of saying, you're most important to me. Our relationship is most important to me. And I want to make time for it. I love that. We can all, we can all, all do that. Yeah. Take Wednesdays off. <laughs> okay. Well, let's let, and then let's talk about two, I don't know, eight years ago, 10 years ago. When, when, how long have you been together before, even before a marriage? When was, when did you first meet? Tell our audience a little bit of history about the beginnings of your relationship. So, um, Kenji and I first met actually like four years before we even got together when I was an intern. Um, he was my, he was my attending. Oh my god! Oh wow! <laughs> That's like dating your RA. Grey's Anatomy. I mean, your yeah, it was not because I was married. Oh, okay. But that's when we met, um, and then we got together when I was at the end of my hospitalist fellowship, um, and yeah, it was. I mean, just immediately, even the first time we went out was pretty amazing. I mean, we just connected. We're very, very similar people. And I mean, you know, Kenji was a 40 year old bachelor at that point. Right. So never married, like, yeah, but within a couple months we were already like knew we were going to get married. Like it was pretty immediate. Okay. And then, so that time period, what you were in like a three, how many years was that? Four years, five years? Yeah, four years. So during that four years when you were married and you guys just kind of knew each other, was was it like you met and then you kind of did your own thing or? Yeah, we saw each other around the hospital, but I mean, no, yeah. I mean, it was mostly, yeah. I mean, I was dating other people and yeah, it, it, we went our separate ways really. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, and I've heard this from multiple people and yeah, even, even me and Victor. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, did we get to hear part of that? Or no? we met in, in, when I was in, we were both interns. Yeah, we met when we were You met interns. like during orientation. Yeah, orientation. So at the same time, we were cohorts. Yeah, actually, you tell a story because I told the story already. Well, we, yeah, we met on like the first day of orientation. Um, I was I was like ready to meet somebody, you know? And actually, orientation started, but it was just like the, you know, BLS part. And, and I was kind of disappointed, but then like two days later was the actual orientation after BLS. Cause she was like already certified. And then I met her at the, the picnic and I was like, Oh, she's the one. And, uh, however, I was in a long-term relationship, long-term, like couples match, long-term relationship. <laughs> yes. So 
I waited a long time. We went our separate ways. We even dated. Yeah, just like just like you, dated other people. Dated other people, and then four years later, married right before we finished residency. So, why did you two fall in love? Me again. This is funny because, you know, uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the Gottman's and the Gottman Institute. Okay. Um, you know, part of how they can tell if a marriage is like going well and if it's going to work is how you tell your story. Part of it is if you've like, if you still tell the story of how you met and like how you got together in a way that, you know, is cherishing the other person and like having good you know, a good feeling about the other person. And when you reach that level that you can't tell that story anymore and it becomes a negative story, like you're done. (laughs) So, um, yeah, I think we, I mean, we fell in love very, very quickly. I think because we're very similar people. Um, I had a friend a couple years ago ask me what percentage similar I think I am to Kenji. And I said 80%. And then I went home and I asked him and he said exactly the same thing. He said 80%. So because of that, it was it was really easy for us. I think um, we think the same about a lot of things. I mean, from how we should keep the house clean to finances, like because we're so similar, we've avoided a lot of, I think, issues. We've been really lucky that way. Okay. And has the are the same reasons you married him, like the same reasons you guys are still in love? Has that changed, evolved? Yeah. I mean, it's it's the same reasons. He's not a 40-year-old bachelor anymore. He's not. He's not. No, it's, I mean, it's exactly the same reasons. I mean, obviously, the relationship has evolved over time. Like, I think you go through different stages. But um, the reason I I love him is the same exact reasons. Um, I don't know if you want to talk. Yeah, no, I I agree. I mean, I think think the, we just, you know, it just worked, you know. And I think, uh, I I mean, for me, for... uh, you know, I don't, I don't personally like to talk about, you know, my feelings and whatnot, but, but I could, I could very easily summarize it and say like, you know, it just felt right. If it worked, you know, we, you know, we just meshed really well. Um, I was happy, you know, very happy and, you know, and, and in love. So, yeah. So I, I think, I think that's what made me different from every other girl. I made her better. <laughs> Well, you know, I, I definitely think that you have a, you have a certain confidence about you, which uh, I think is very attractive. Um, and, um, and, and yeah, you were very certain, uh, about many things. Um, and like you said, it was a situation where I, I felt like we could be interdependent as opposed to you being dependent on me because a lot of the relationships I've had was, uh, people depending on me. Uh, and so that was definitely refreshing. And so, you know, when I think about a partner in life, uh, somebody who I'm going to spend the rest of my life with, uh, you know, yeah, I, that's really important that uh, the person I'm with is somebody who can really just own her own herself. Right. Um, and so I think that that to me was really important. And, um, and and what's cool about it is that since then, even since then, you know, I think we've both grown. But, you know, in particular, I think, you know, you've grown mm-hmm. a lot um, and kind of really come into your own, which is really awesome to see. So, yeah. So even more, right, even more reason for me to really just, you know, love and appreciate her. Yeah, I think I was I was very immature. I mean, I was 30, but I was still extremely immature. And so I think I've grown a lot over la- over the last years. But what attracted me to him was the same thing, confidence like just knowing who he was and how he carried himself. Like that was absolutely it. Yeah. I love that. Um, and, and being, you know, being in the successful marriage, you're, you're, you're physician, you're both physicians, you have three children, you have this real estate empire. How do you maintain it? Like on a day to day or a week to week basis, are there any systems you have in place or things you do? Um, because you know, you do prioritize, prioritize each other above everything else, but you're still doing everything else. So how do you maintain that? that relationship? That's a great question. I think it's always a work in progress for us. Um, I think that if you asked us that question, probably a year and a half, two years ago, we had kind of gotten lazy. um, And just really, I mean, we knew that we were most important to each other always, we've always known that, but I think we weren't putting very much effort into it. And uh, we're just kind of taking each other for granted. And I think that actually happens a lot in marriage is like, there's so many fires you're putting out every single day that your partner, you just assume they're always going to be there. And you assume that they're always going to 
like no matter what you do, how you show up, whatever, it's like they're your rock, right? They're always there. And I think that actually over time that kind of can degrade your relationship because you're not paying attention to them. You're assuming they're a given and you take them for granted, right? And I think being taken for granted and not being seen for a woman is really difficult. And one of the most important things I think that maybe women get from marriage, at least for me anyway, is to be seen, to be cherished, to be recognized, you know, and to, and to be seen as important. And so I think that, yeah, I think we have really in the last, you know, since we started all the Tony Robbins stuff, one thing that's changed for us is we've really made an effort not to take each other for granted, not to just assume that the marriage is something we don't have to work at. Um, because if you, again, if you asked me two years ago, I'd be like, yeah, marriage doesn't work. Like I don't work at it. It's easy for us. Right. And it had been only how many years, five or six years. Yeah. Yeah. And it was still, it's still very easy for us and it can be very easy, but that's not necessarily good because if you're not working at it, if you're not showing up for that person, if you're not always striving to get better, if you're just, it's just easy. And I, I think that's a dangerous thing actually. Right. I agree. I, I think you have to have a constant vigilance uh, and you can, it's very easy to fall into patterns. Uh, it's very easy to criticize. It's very easy to, uh, like we said, have a manual or expectations for the other person. Uh, and you have to, you have to kind of, I think putting yourself in a, in a, what Tony says is a beautiful state all the time, which is much more in the gratitude, right? I mean, he always says, um, if, you know, if you're grateful, you know, you can't have fear, right? At the same time as being grateful, right? It, you can't have a lot of these negative emotions, uh, if you're grateful, right? And so, you know, again, if you can, if you can be in that kind of beautiful state, and it's not just gratefulness, it's other things too. Um, one of the things that I love that he also says is, uh, you know, it's all about, um, you know, creativity and caring, right? So what, you know, what do you, you know, you know, think about this next weekend, right? What, what have you done to be creative about something cool to do, right? Uh, and caring. And this applies to your children too, right? Is like, you know, how you show up for them. And so I do think that there has to be a constant vigilance. Uh, and, and the work is actually probably more work on yourself. It is. Uh, yeah. and, and that's where the work is. It's not working on the relationship. It's actually working on yourself. Uh, and, and really kind of catching yourself every time you start to criticize, which is very easy for me, uh, because that's how I was raised. Uh, I saw it in my parents all the time, extreme, like hyper, you know, just an extreme level of criticism, right? And so it, it was very easy for me. It's so natural for me to fall into those tendencies and so hard for me to get out of that mindset. So, you know, I think, yeah, it, it, one of the things that, uh, you know, that, that I try to practice as much as possible is gratitude, right? And, and kind of being in that place, like, th you know, three things that I'm thankful for uh, every day, every morning. Uh, if I wake up in the middle of the night, that's kind of where I go uh, because I find like that, um, you know, that kind of just puts me in the right uh, mindset uh, and the mind space uh, to show up the best uh, for, for LAT and, and for our children. Yeah, we... Um we did a, a week long in October where we just worked on our marriage for the whole week. And one thing that we, I think both walked away from is how, how when you watch these interventions with these couples, one person or both, well, really usually both people had been kind of stacking these experiences with the other and like the story they were telling about it, the experience and just stacking these negative things. There was one lady who had a journal of every time her husband did something, she would write it down. And you just, you stack the negative on top of the negative on top of the negative. It's not like you're journaling about the good things, right? And so, but even before that, I had carried around this concept from business, actually, that you always overvalue what you're adding and undervalue what everyone else is. And you see that in business all the time. Like if you're ever partnered with somebody, you know, what they believe they're delivering as the partner in the business is always more than what you think and vice versa. And so whenever I start to say like, you know, I'm working so hard, like, you know, and start to do this comparison game. Like, it's like, you always see what you do, and you never appreciate and see what the other person does. And all you do is it, with a natural human tendency, I think is just to stack these negative things of what you're the story you're telling yourself. And it's so dangerous like also for the relationship, because now you have all this negative. And one thing that Tony says is, 
you know, your relationship is what you say between each other, but it's also what you say in your head about the other person. And so every time you're like feeling negative towards them in your head, that's, that's part of your relationship. And for me, I tended to do that in my head and it was, it wasn't good. So I work on that too. Yes. Oh my gosh. You guys brought up so many good points. Um, first of all, the working on yourself, you know, like that is super key because I think I spent six years, um, or maybe five and a half years trying to change Victor. Right. And then when I finally realized, okay, we're coming at, up on seven years. I'm an old dog. Um, you know, like the seven year itch, you know, cause people talk about like seven year itch and like a lot of marriages don't last beyond five or seven years. It's because we're on cruise control. Things are easy. And then all of a sudden we forget to grow uh, and um, create together, care about each other. The things like about, we're, and then we stack all the negative things on top of Like, how does that help us? That doesn't help us. We got to journal about the positives. Um, and, and, and also when you mention like women want to be seen, they want to be heard. And, and that is one of our qualities. I already see that in my three-year-old, our, our three-year-old, she is, just learning to say, if we are not looking at her when she's speaking, you're not, you're not, you're not listening to me. Yeah, you're not, you're not listening. You're not listening. You're not like, listening. And every day, you know, and so that is a reminder to me. This starts from like a very, from the very beginning. It does. It does. Yeah. Yeah. There's these three C's and three U's. Um, you yeah. want to tell? Sure. So from, from a male's, male's perspective, the woman should never criticize, control, and be closed, be closed. Right. Right. So, and so these know. are three, three things that men just, they don't, they don't like. And, uh, and, and these are the types of things that, you know, uh, draw people apart, right. Pull people apart. And so, um, and naturally we know that, right. Because you know, if you show up to a relationship, a new relationship closed off criticizing and trying to control the, the guy, it's like never going to work. Right. And that's not how you show up at the beginning of a relationship. You don't try to criticize and control. But invariably, if you don't, if you're not hypervigilant about it, right, uh, it's very easy to move into criticism mode. And that's why we we're saying like the practice of gratitude is so important. Um, it's so easy to try to control too, right? It's like, again, you have a manual about the other person, how they should act, how they should be. Um, we were just talking about this with a, uh, with a couple who, um, the husband wanted the, the spouse to be a real estate professional, right? That was his manual for her. She had no interest in it. And so, but it was just like, uh, interestingly, another couple said that as soon as the husband said, you know what? That's not for you. It's not what you want to do. It's okay. Then she started thinking about it and going, you know what? Okay. I can do this. <laughs> so it was kind of so interesting. Right. Um, so I think it's just kind of, you know, appreciating, oh, okay, this is not, not for her. She's got her own thing to, you know, going on and she wants to do her own thing. That's really important to her. And just appreciating that I think is really important. So, yeah. So, you know, I think, yeah, I think the, uh, the three C's are, are, are critical. And I think it's a constant reminder, I think, to, uh, you know, to kind of incorporate that in your daily practice. Yeah. And then, and then the three U's are for women. And this is, this is, or feminine energy is what Tony calls it. And this is what your daughter's doing, right? So it's unseen. If a woman feels unseen, then it's not a good thing. Um, m- not understood. So he says ununderstood, but not understood. Not yeah. understood. Uh, <laughs> and and unsafe unsafe is the last one. Yeah. Yeah. And so he does a really interesting on that one. He says like, you know, in in a, so there's, you know, I don't know, hundreds of people. And he does also this this in his big conferences too, where he has like, you know, 15,000 people. And he says, you know, how many women here in the last week uh, have felt unsafe? Right. And it's like 90 plus percent of the, the room raise their hands, you know, every week. Right. Women are feeling they feel unsafe or they're put in positions where they they feel unsafe. Right. And then he does the same thing as how many men have felt unsafe in the last week. And it's like nobody. <laughs> and so it's just like, you know, it, it's uh, it's so I mean, it's it's extreme. I mean, it's extreme differences. And so I think, uh, you know, all those three, you know, I, I believe in all these three things, very important. Uh, and so, yeah, it's something, again, that, you know, that I have to practice um, and, and think about all the time. Yeah. And I, I mean, I had a first marriage. So, I mean, I definitely felt unseen. And now I can see why for me, that experience of feeling unseen, which, you know, whether or not I was actually unseen, like, it, it you know, that was totally my perception, right? Um, but that's, that's the way I felt. And, and that was very damaging for me. 
And the unsafe, now that doesn't, that doesn't just speak to like physical, right? Can it be like mental, like mentally, you can't speak your mind maybe because they might, sh- or somebody, you just might not feel safe enough to, to say what you want to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I love that. Okay. Well, let's move on to, well, this global pandemic that we're, we're in. And I don't know what Seattle is like right now. Are you guys out of it? It's kind of starting to go up. It's coming back. Yeah, Yeah, it's starting to come up again. Yeah. Oh, okay. So how have you maintained the spark in your relationship? Because I'm sure lots of things changed, right? Childcare, date nights. It hasn't changed that much for us except except lack of travel. Like that's a big one for us because we have an au pair. So we still have that. And I mean. Our kids are relatively young. And then, you know, most of our. Most of our work now is online, uh, and uh, real estate is 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 not. But I've been able to do a lot of it virtually, uh, and so it's been okay. And so we've always spent probably. I mean, like since we since Kenji cut back and I changed to half time. I mean, we've spent probably like I don't know seventy five percent of our time together. <laughs> um, probably more. I mean, we're, we're I mean, we're well, always I'm just counting us working one week a month. Because we're together all the time. That's true. Um, and yeah. that's been that way for a long time. And has that been a new stress for your marriage being around more to that extent? Uh, not really. I mean, we've loved it. I think the stress to our marriage has been, um, building a business together. And we've done this now multiple times. And each time it brings its own challenges. Um, The first time we did it, it was Kenji's business and I was help. And so I never really took any ownership. So that was stressful that way because, you know, he wanted more out of me. And no matter how much effort I really put into it, I never changed my mindset about the ownership part. So it, I never did, I never did it. Well, again, it was expectations. I had certain expectations of what she would contribute. Uh, and so therefore it, it, it made it very difficult. Yeah. And I think you were, I mean, you were disappointed because you wanted me to deliver on a level that I just couldn't because I didn't take ownership. Um, and so that was definitely actually probably the most stressful time in our whole relationship. That mm-hmm. was year two. I think um, the spending time together is never really an issue. That's, just, I think, I, I think kind of what we were saying earlier, we, I think we want to be together, right? I think, you know, we want to be around each other. So, so that part has been, been fine in terms of the, uh, you know, in terms of the pandemic. Uh, um, if anything, yeah, we, we're, well, actually, it's again, not that different. You mentioned expectations. Like you had these expectations of her. And some people, like Brooke Castillo says, drop all expectations. And then other people are like, no, you can't do that. You like they're your husband. So, what's your feeling <laughs> on that? Or your, you know, your wife. What's your feeling on the expectations? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that I, I, I can see both perspectives, I guess. But I think for us, I would say that uh, expectations can get you into trouble. Uh, and I think where maybe the other person is coming from is that the. You, know, you have two people that are different, right? Very different and kind of going in different directions. I think in that sense, it would make it a lot more difficult um, and to, to not have expectations uh, if you have such extreme differences in terms of spending or in terms of, you know, day-to-day life or in ter- terms of child raising, right? Or like addiction or something. Yeah, exactly. Like that, there, Yeah, right? there could be, right, addiction. If, I mean, I wouldn't even know how to handle that, right? So it's kind of like, yeah, you would have expectations around, no, I, you know, I would expect you not to drink, you know, and not to drink around, you know, certain people or whatever. So, yeah, you would have a lot of expect- expectations in that situation. So, yeah, I, but I think the key is you have expectations about what you're willing to accept and then, but you're not thinking that necessarily they have to fit them. If they don't fit them, you have the option of walking away, right? Sure. That's your option. Um, and, you know, you can tell them what you would like, but if, if they don't do it, they don't decide to do it, like then it's up to you, right? You can't just keep telling them what you want and f- trying to force them and control them. Like It's up to you what you want to do. Either you're going to, accept how it is and appreciate it and find the joy uh, or you're not and you're going to walk away and that's your choice. Uh, I think Tony also always says like if you're in a really unhappy marriage to do 90 days where you just serve the other person without the expectation of anything in return. You do everything you do is like to, to, you know, to 
to celebrate them, right? And to meet their needs. And if after 90 days of like expecting nothing, but only serving, it still isn't the right thing for you, then you walk away, right? So yeah, that's like kind of like the power of one. If one person shows up differently, if one person changes themselves, it can save the marriage. But the, the, the caveat is, okay, you've got 90 days. So if the other person doesn't see those changes and, you know, accept them and love them and maybe in return, give a little back, then, then maybe it's not going to work out. Right. Right. And there's always that option of like, cause some people say, you know, divorce is not an option, right. Or splitting up is not an option. The trouble becomes, well, if it's not an option, then why are we going to try hard, you know, try harder to stay together or, you know, be more successful in our marriage? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's part of the, the, like reaction I have to perpetuity. Your first question actually was like, I mean, I, I'd never say forever because you just don't know that that's going to be the right decision. And I hate to lock myself into saying like, we will be together forever without showing up and saying like, I want to be with you today, you know, every day. And just saying, because I said I was going to be with you forever, like, that's what I'm going to do, you know, when it's not necessarily the right decision. So Yeah. (laughs) No, I agree with you. I think uh, unless you have that kind of option to walk away, right, then, then, yeah, then you kind of get into a default. Why do I have to show up? Uh, And so I think, yeah, you, you know, you almost want to kind of treat the relationship like, you know, you're like you're in survival mode almost, right? And like, how do I think Tony says, treat it like a business, right? It's like you do, you continue to do marketing and innovation, right? Like that's what he says. That's right. That's true. Yeah. And that's kind of like the creativity and caring, right? So I love that. Yeah. He makes a great analogy there. Yeah. Between business, because I think, yeah, marketing uh, is, uh, is, is, yeah, is, is how you present yourself. Not just, not just like physically, right? I think that's, that's really important too, right? But it's also how you, bring, you know, come, you know, show up every day, uh, emotionally, uh, you know, positivity, you know, humor, all those things, right. You know, how you show up is so important. Uh, and yeah, yeah. If you, if you, if you stop innovating, stop marketing, uh, then yeah, you're going to lose your customer and same thing. You could lose your, your partner. Okay. So along those lines, what do you do in your daily or morning routine that sets you up for success um, on a daily basis or monthly or yearly for both you as a couple and also in your businesses? Yeah, that's great. Uh, So I I think for me, uh, as I mentioned, you know, one of the things that I do is to practice that gratitude. That's something that I try to do on a daily basis. Are there actual things you do to, to do that? Some people like they will verbalize three things every day that they're thankful for. Are there particular ways you do that? You know, for me, it's a. Uh, I feel like I'm. I've have. Um, I'm very good at visualizing. So I, it's mostly kind of meditating and visualizing. So I could be anywhere. I could be, you know, uh, lying in bed at two in the morning, or uh, a lot of times, like when I'm waking up, it's kind of my thing that I just kind of go right there um, because it's kind of a nice way to wake up. Uh, and you know, Tony does something called priming, um, and uh, it's based. It's actually based on studies where you know you show that he shows that. Uh, people people that do priming uh, have very different outcomes in terms of their, you know, their happiness, their um, how their day goes, you know, those types of things. Uh, and so, uh, you know, some priming is a whole kind of ritual that he does. Uh, a lot of it's actually based on uh, gratitude. Mm-hmm. Uh, another por- portion of it is based on uh, visualizing goals uh, because visualization is, is extremely powerful. Uh, and so that's something that, uh, you know, I kind of do priming in a different way in the sense that, uh, I do the gratitude and, and visualization and goals. That's something that we do a lot of. Uh, and, and I think that's really important for, you know, for the success of our business, success of our marriage, um, is, you know, to get on the same page. You know, I always kind of make the analogy of like two people rowing, rowing a boat. If they're rowing a boat in opposite directions, you're not going to get anywhere. But if you row the boat in the same direction, you know, you're going to be much more likely to be successful, not just in business, but also in marriage. Uh, so that's something that we, uh, uh, that, that I do. Uh, and then the other thing that we do on an annual basis uh, is we uh, try to set aside uh, three days at a minimum away from the kids. Uh, we, you know, actually go back to where we got married at the Four Seasons uh, in the Big Island. Uh, we go there once a year. 
uh, for three days. Uh, we usually use like miles or points, uh, which is kind of nice. It's kind of our nice little thing, uh, uh, celebration. And, and yeah, it, it's really amazing. Uh, I, I would highly recommend it to everybody to, to spend three days on your relationship, on, uh, just, just, just the sole focus is, you know, kind of, uh, what do we want for the next year, right? Yeah, where are um, we going? Where are we going, you know? And then and then now after, so la- last year we didn't actually do the three days, but we actually took a whole week uh, at a program called uh, Tony Robbins uh, Relationship uh, and literally spent the entire week together working on everything. And he provided us with so many of these tools that we already mentioned, the three U's or the three C's. And there's tons of these different uh uh, different tools that he provides us. And it's so useful to have these tools at your fingertips to be able to kind of apply and, and figure out some of these difficult relationship problems, right? Uh, and relationship issues. Uh, it just really unpacks everything when you kind of use these tools. And it's great that we both got that training because now we can kind of, we speak the same language when it comes to figuring, figuring stuff out. So that's something also that we do that, you know, we'd highly recommend anybody do. Uh, and we find it to be so critical this year. Haven't set our dates yet, but but for sure it's something I really want to do. It's like an annual shareholders meeting. Yeah, yeah for sure. Of our marriage. Yeah, You're right. right. You're absolutely right. There's also the Gottman Institute that we mentioned. It's in Seattle and they do like weekend thing seminars that are supposed to be really, really good. And I've been wanting to go to one of those. We just haven't made the time for it. Um, and then, yeah, I, we were doing this really great thing that we've kind of fallen off with a little bit, but we were um, 8.30 to 9.30. We were just spending together. Is this in the evening or in the morning? In the in the evening. So we put the kids to sleep. We would have an hour of just like we would rotate back and forth whose night it was. And that person would get to choose what we did. Um, and so that was an amazing experience, I think, because it's, it gives you the control to say like, hey, today I want to watch a movie together or today I want to, you know, get a massage for an hour. Like <laughs> it was really, really great. And it's like just focused time for the other person. And again, it's saying to the other person, you are so important that everything I'm going to put aside for an hour, you know, a night just for you. And we've fallen off on that, but that's like, I, I think that was really, really important to me. So. Yeah. Well, and then I think, uh, so the, the other thing that I think to complement that too, is also setting aside uh, our, our days, right. So kind of uh, what we're trying to do better. Uh, and I've kind of you know said, this is something I really want to do this year is to, um, is to batch our work. Right. So, um, so like on Mondays, for example, we'll have meetings about both of our businesses. Uh, and those, that would kind of be a planning day. Tuesdays would be con- content days where we do our, you know, podcast or we do, we write blog articles or create, uh, content, new course, for, uh, course content. Uh, and that'll be our content day. And then, and then, and then Wednesday would be our day, right? And, and so, we call those lock days. We've been yeah. doing that since the beginning of our relationship yeah. because our schedules have always been so crazy. We set aside Laka days, L-A-K-A, and we put them in the calendar. Yeah. And so, yeah, what's nice about batching like this is that I think you can be really efficient, number one, uh, but also your team. And if you have other people you're working with, they also know your schedule ahead of time. And so they know that, you know, Monday planning uh, is mostly for kind of us and leadership. Uh, and then on Fridays, we have a team meeting day or and Thursdays is a process day. So that'll be kind of the day where our team would come to come to us with different problems or issues or whatever. And so that's you kind have to of do real estate that day. Yeah, that's <laughs> for me, that's my real estate day. But for her, it's her process day for her for the blog business. Uh, and so yeah, so that's kind of how we separated it out. And um, like I said, I think it really helps. Uh, and also, it prevents kind of this a little bit of, you know, there's always a tendency to pile more on, but if you're really disciplined and you say, no, Wednesdays, I can't do, I can't do that um, interview on that day. Um, The only, the only day I have is every Tuesday, right? And just, it just makes it clear to everybody else too, uh, that you, you, you have these certain days that you're available and other days you're not. Yeah. And what I like about Wednesday, again, it's prioritizing each other and our relationship, which is the most important part, because if the relationship fails, the businesses don't work anymore. You know, the family doesn't work anymore. You know, the kids go through that too. So absolutely. Number one has to be the relationship. So if you have, you have a whole day on lock a day, do you like alternate who's in charge of it? Like you, you do with the hour and give me an example of a lock a day. 
Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, it's like, again, coming back to like that creativity and caring, right? And so, uh, yeah, so we don't, we don't necessarily kind of go back and forth, but usually one of us will come up with a plan or an idea. Uh, typically it centers around, uh, hiking because we love the outdoors. And it's one of the reasons why we moved back to Washington is that we just love just being here. Um, and, uh, and just getting out in nature really just like clears our mind. Also, uh, I'll say that those are, those are the, our most creative days too, where, you know, we've just built, uh, businesses like, or business, come up with business ideas and implemented them, um, as a result of one of these Laka days. So, you know, just hiking around and talking, talking really, the whole time. Yeah. I just mean, really stimulates, imagine. yeah, stimulates the ideas and, uh, thinking and creativity. So, uh, and excitement yeah, and for excitement. the future, right? Cause that's what we're building. It's so much fun to like go on a five hour hike and build something new. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Wow. And so they're 830 to 930 at night. And But this is all day. This is I know. Wednesday. This is Wednesday. I know. But I was just saying, so Peter and, and Vicky do 8 to 9 p.m. Or they, and, they were and, trying 30 and, minutes. And they do 830 to 930. So maybe we can do 815 to 915. <laughs> <laughs> we, could tr- we could attempt that. Well, eventually we have to get our kid to sleep earlier. One child to put to sleep and then we had time after. No, I was just saying that, you know, we one of the most important things was we realized that we needed to take control. Uh, and it was basically our kids were driving what time we slept as opposed to the other way around. And so once we just like, I mean, we literally just like one night, we're like, this, these are the rules. Uh, and we said, you know, this is it, right? And we just like put our daughter in a room and we said, you know, I don't care if you're not tired. It doesn't matter. Like, okay, we give you a little... um you know, um, unicorn nightlight. Yeah. A little nightlight that you can use. If you're not tired, you can read a book, but eight thirty to nine thirty, that's mommy, daddy time. And that's it. Right. No negotiation. And so once we did that, I mean, uh, our, our daughter who is very strong willed, I did not think it would work, but it was amazing. She just kind of was like, okay, you know, it's mommy, daddy time. It's the rules. And so it was just really amazing to me. Yeah, again, how, it's how well prioritizing. It it's prioritizing your relationship over your kids time. I mean, it is because I mean, that I, I do think that's really important that kids know that they come second over your relationship. When you did that, what age was she? Uh, she was, was she four? Might have been just turned four or three, four. Or, but we're now doing it with our son at two. And so, he's, yeah, it's totally fine. Yeah. And he just kind of accepts it too. So, um, and so, yeah, I do something called like the rules at the end. I kind of say, okay, here, you know, um, when they, they enjoy it, they're like rules, rules, you know, and I come in and, uh, and I kind of list all the rules. I say, you know, I said, basically like, you know, are you allowed to, you know, get out of bed at night, you know, and come to our room? No, you know, and they have to kind of say yes or no. And now they're screwing around. Like I say, are you allowed to like, you know, get out of the bed? And they're like, yes, you know, and, and like, I'm like, no. And yeah, so no like, he it, does all the contingencies, yeah. you know, what, what do you do when you want to picture, see a picture of mommy and daddy? And they say like, they point to the picture on the wall. You what, know? Do you, what, what do you do if you lose your unicorn? light, right? You, you, you find it. You find it yourself. <laughs> you find it yourself. What, what do you do if you have a bad dream? You know, think about something else, change your focus, think about something else and go back to sleep. What, right? if you, what do you do if you see a, see a spider and you or like our little son, like yeah. pulls said, the sheets up. He can't even talk. He'll, he'll go like this. He'll like uh, hide under the covers. Yeah. <laughs> so that's good. You've gone through every possibility and you've come up with um, something in advance. You've basically given all of your, uh, your order set you know, so that your patients can sleep at night and you don't get a phone call. Correct. Exactly. That's a perfect analogy. And, and actually the order set has, has grown, right? As I've been woken up by some new thing, you know, like, oh, I got to add that to the, the, to the checklist. The only two things they're allowed to wake us up for is if they poop in their diaper. No, three things. Yeah. Yeah. Three. Poop, poop in the diaper, short of breath or bloody nose. That's it. <laughs> Now, of course, you know, that, that they're, I think they're smart enough that if something else like, you know, maybe it comes up, they'll, they will wake us up. And, and so like, uh, then I'll, then I'll add it to the list. But, uh, so far, those are the, those are the three things that have, you know, that have, you know, that, that are legitimate reasons for waking us up. Yeah. I mean, you guys you think it won't work, but it really does. Yeah. And you, and you just have to prioritize your time together and your kids will respect it. Yeah. Yes. I, uh, about, about three weeks ago, I, I made a, a relatively unilateral decision um, because bedtime was stressing us out or it was really stressing her out more because she felt like it was her responsibility. Yeah. Um, I was doing everything. Well, she, she, I felt like I was she felt everything. like she was doing it all. <laughs> we have different ways of doing things. 
and she likes to be the active person and I like to work passively. Um, different approaches and both of them can be successful, but they were not the same, which was, which was, we, we had different expectations of each other. So I said, I'm going to take care of it. And I relinquished, I relinquished the three-year-old to him. I put I the said, baby to sleep. I will do it every single day. And I need to do it for 14 consecutive days my way. I think we're on day 20 now and it's, it'll stay. And she has a pattern. She knows what the routine is. We just need to move it up a little bit. We're just going to move it earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been doing coaching every evening. Um, and so I can't. Uh, I haven't been able to, I want to do those live because I know if I don't do them live, it doesn't get done. So as soon as coaching sessions are done, then it's, I, I go through the 30 minute routine with her and she knows the plan. By the time the second book is done, she says, um, the end she says, I love you, daddy. And she closes her eyes and lies down. It's amazing. I don't have to tell her it's bedtime. We need to go to sleep. She and just, she's an emotional vomiter. So right. I remember that. We've had a lot of struggles, but but he's he's been doing amazing. So yeah, I just lie down there for usually within ten minutes, and she's asleep. And problem is, I usually fall asleep so fast because <laughs> I'm so so beaten by that time of the day. But uh, then I get up and come uh, and and leave. So that's that's the the, the current the current situation. Um, but now we're, we're gonna we're gonna rewind. I know that we uh, don't have too much more time left, but uh, I want to touch on. What you think uh, is the smartest financial decision that you have ever made in your life for each of you? You want to go first? Yeah, I think it's fairly easy for us. Or uh, I think we'll probably have the same answer. But for me, uh, it was it was having a very clear why and a goal, and then and then we chose real estate as our vehicle for getting there, uh, and. Uh, and so I say I say the combination of the two because you know unless you have a clear vision of where you're going, uh, I think it's uh, hard to um, it, it, it's actually really hard to push something up a mountain versus if you're if you're pulled by a reason, right? It's a lot easier, right? So like just again think about it if you're if you don't have a real clear goal, you're just like kind of pushing things up the mountain trying to get somewhere, but you don't even know where. Versus a goal just pull, pulling you up. And 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 uh, and helping you achieve whatever goal you set out, uh, and so that's been, I think, probably the the biggest thing for us. And then the second part of it, yeah, is, is choosing the right vehicle for us, uh, just because you know leveraging the fact that I could be a real estate professional and and like T can remain a clinician, we can shelter her income, and that helps us grow our wealth uh, by paying you know very little uh, income taxes, uh, and so that's been a really great vehicle for us. Uh, you know, not for everybody, but it's, it's been really good for us. So I think that was probably the best uh, financial decision. Yeah, I mean, I would definitely say together that was the best financial decision for us was was ultimately having an outcome, start with the outcome in mind, and then using real estate to get us there. And because it made us make d- different decisions all the way around, along, like, you know, we got a different, we got a coffee press and we stopped going to Starbucks, you know, every time Kenji and I talk about getting a Tesla, it's like, you know, do we get a Tesla or do we buy a cash flowing duplex? Right. So it, it makes the decision easy. It's really hard to get my mind around buying a Tesla when my first rental property was $60,000 and I lived there for like nine years or so. Like I can live in a $60,000 place comfortably. Um, it's, it's, I can't even, mm, it's such an emotional or mental leap to even imagine driving something. <laughs> Yeah, so so it makes it. I mean, the same thing with your business, right? If you have a mission statement and you know what your business is about, then every decision becomes easy because it's made with that lens. Um, and then you know, uh, this is a little bit different, just because I'm I'm going to give a different answer than him. So I agree with him as a couple, but I think getting a divorce was the best financial decision I ever made because you know I actually went from a uh, I was married to a very very wealthy guy. And so when I, I remember I was talking to like a counselor when I was leaving and she was saying to me, like, she said, I said something, well, you know, like I'm, I'm leaving all this wealth. Like I'm never going to be wealthy like this again. And she said, how do you know that? Like she challenged me and she said, like, how do you know you're not going to grow that or you're not going to be with your spouse who's going to grow that? Like, because that was my kind of limiting belief. 
And it was it was very, very cool because, you know, now we've built that wealth like together. And how powerful is that? Like rather than being given it for, from somebody and never feeling like you deserve it or never feeling like it's truly yours and never really appreciating it, that we've been able to now build our wealth together and go through that process. It's the best. Wow. <laughs> I don't know if we have any more questions after that. <laughs> All right, go ahead. Okay, so the confidence. Let's let's wrap it up with the confidence because you guys are both super confident, and you know that's what you're attracted to. And so many people wish they had more confidence. And you know, you're you're speaking and you're blogging and you're you're physicians, you're parenting. How how do you have the confidence? Like, were you born with this, or where does confidence come from? Yeah, I mean, we were talking about this earlier. I think one of the one of the things about confidence is, um, is if you've done it right, then it's a lot easier, right? If you've experienced it, uh, typically, uh, if, when you're encountering something new, you're being held back by fear, right? Fear of the unknown. And so I think one of the things that I think, uh, helps us give, you know, gives us confidence is we don't hesitate to try new things, right? I mean, it's like, we're on a, we're on our Wednesday, you know, lock day, uh, you know, and talking about an idea and it's implemented by the next Wednesday, right? So it's, you know, it's like we, we just go out and, and it's something completely new that we've never done before, but it's like without hesitation, we'll just go and try something and we'll beta test it or whatever you want to call it. And, and that act of just doing it eliminates all those fears. Uh, and, uh, and I think that that's, that's, that's what gives us the confidence, I think, is just, uh, is moving forward constantly, right? We're constantly trying new things, constantly pushing the board boundaries. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's not that we don't have fear. Absolutely. We do. Like I remember when we decided to do coaching as part of semi-retired, like last year we were doing that. We did that for a little bit and I remember being terrified, but like, and I'm sure like when you started this podcast, you were terrified, right? But self-confidence comes from doing hard things. And like proving to yourself that you can do those hard things, right? And if you don't do those hard things, you're not going to make yourself feel more confident. So actually, you have to do them in order to be confident to do them again. And I, I know, I think initially, probably a lot of our confidence came from each other, knowing that we were together, that we were stronger together, that we could do these things. But as we've grown and grown and grown, we've become stronger and stronger and stronger. So we still have that fear, but you know, we've now had the experience of pushing through it so many times and having it work out well that it it's not as strong as it initially was. So that's, I think the inertia of getting started is always because of all those fears. And you can just get through a couple of them, you get better and better at it. They're still there, but you get better at overcoming them and moving forward. Well, plus I think we, you know, we have a very powerful tool for overcoming fears uh, or overcoming any negative emotion, which is um, which is something that Tony calls the triad, uh, and so the first thing in the triad is, you know, the state, uh, your physiology, right? I mean, do you, you know, he always asks this question: Are you more likely to solve a problem, you know, if you're kind of, you know, hunched down, and you have, scared you know, you're scared, and, and you're, you know, you, you, you know, you're stressed, you know, are you more likely to solve a problem like that, or are you more likely to solve a problem, you know, after you, you know jump around, get your heart rate up, you know, get excited, you know, and, and kind of so, so in your physiology, you can control, you can control going from post-call tired to, you know, all of a sudden completely awake when you drive home, you're about to get into an accident, right? You, you see the difference between tired, right? And half asleep to completely wide awake, right? And that's just, you can control that. I mean, that, that is a, that, in that example, you're not controlling it, but but the idea is that you could still get that adrenaline flowing in your body and completely change your physiology. So physiology is one thing. The second thing is, you know, your focus, right? What what is what are you going to focus on? Are you going to focus on the fear, right? Which a lot of people go, I can't. That's how they start, right? They go, I can't do this, right? I don't have the training. I don't have the knowledge. I don't have the network, right? That's where people start. But you can also change your focus and say from I can't to how can I? Right? right? And ask that question. If you start asking your question, how can I do this? Then you start to go, oh, I can learn about it. I can build a network, right? Um, you know, I and can focus also is meaning too, is like if Correct. something happens, 
you know, it's not only that you're focusing maybe on something else, but you're giving it a different meaning too. you're, you know, something challenging happens. Well, maybe the meaning was actually this was given to me. So I get stronger, you know, or what a great opportunity to, you know, work on this concept, you know, like, so it's, it's a little bit, it's a not only focus, but it's also the meaning you give. Them. And that's actually the third one is it language and meaning, right? Language, so, language. Yeah. yeah. So the third one is language. And so you, know, you really have to kind of pay attention to the language that you use and the meaning that you put on, uh, you know, your words, right. And what do you, what you say? And so, uh, so again, instead of saying like, I can't, right. You know, or, or this is too hard or I've never been good at math, right. Those are the types of things that people say. So, well, historically you might've been bad, but does that mean that you're always going to be bad? Right. And so th that's the language and you really have to kind of watch out. And so, you know, uh, just, just to kind of, uh, explain how this works using a different emotion of, you know, uh, a different, uh, a different example. Uh, you know, I was, uh, there's a thing where you climb a 50 foot pole uh, and you have to get to the top, climb up to stand on the top of the pole and jump out to a trapeze, right? Of course you have, you know, harnesses and stuff like that, but, but for, for somebody who has fear of heights, which I do, did. or I did, right? <laughs> um, so I used, I used those three, the same, I used the, the triad, to overcome that fear, you know? And so in terms of language, I was telling myself, I know I'm going to freeze at the top, right? Because, you know, you get to the top, you start looking around, you start shaking, right? I know I'm, because I've done that in rock climbing. I know my legs start shaking and I, I just like, I get nervous, I get scared. And so, uh, so that was the first thing I was, I was like, wait, wait I got to change my language. If I say I'm going to get stuck at the top, I'm going to get stuck at the top. So I changed my language and I said, no, I'm going to get to the top and I'm not going to freeze. I'm going to go, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to do this. Um, second thing was my focus, right? Um, so I just focused. All I did was I focused on the next rung. That's all I did. I didn't focus on anything else. I didn't focus on, you know, the heights. I didn't focus on the the view. I just focused on the next rung. That's all I did, right? And so the next step. And so that this applies to anything, right? You focus on what is the next step that I have to do to achieve my goal, no matter what it is, right? And the last one was the physiology. And so before it, you know, again, I was in my fear state. And so I just changed it. I just kind of jumped around. I hyped myself up. I got my heart rate up, you know, and I just like, you know, I just kind of came into it completely different, confident. I'm going to do this. Right. Uh, and, you know, when we go to these events at Tony, Tony Robbins, you know, we, we do this uh, walk on fire. Right. He actually has a bed of coals that you have to walk over. Uh, and that's part of it is that you just like you just hype yourself up. and You go, I'm going to do this and you just go. Right. And so that's something, again, that you can control. And so. So we use this triad anytime we have this kind of fear, we immediately kind of listen to each other's language, right? And I think it helps to have an accountability partner to each other's language. We also recognize, you know, what state are we in? What physiology do we have? Uh, and then, you know, what are we, what are we going to focus on? Are we going to focus on the fear or focus on, you know, the good outcome, the good outcome exactly. that we're going to achieve? Oh my gosh. Well, thank you guys so much. This was, go I'm going to have to listen to this like a couple times and take notes. Okay. Oh, and then just so our audience knows again, where can they find you? Yeah, probably the easiest thing is just to go to our uh, website, www.semiretiredmd.com. Okay, perfect. Thank you so much, Kenji and Lathy for coming. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you. You, great to talk to you guys at all. Whenever it is, always. Yes. It's always an inspiring time. Always. So great to see you, hear yourselves out there, and hope to talk to you again soon. Such a great show with Drs. Letizia and Kenji. Before we end, don't forget to reach out to Ryan, Casey, and the team at Physician Wealth Services by going to drpodcastnetwork.com forward slash physician wealth to help you with your finances in the same way you take care of your patient's health. Oh my gosh, that was so amazing. Thank you so much, Leti and Kenji and Victor for all coming on my show. I just, I think I probably listened to that at least three times already. So my big Four take-home points from doctors Letizia Alto and Kenji Asakura. Number one, are you aware of the manual you have for your spouse? The manual, because we definitely all have one. 
And the issue becomes that we never print it out, our manual, and hand it to our spouse. And even if we did, chances are they wouldn't be happy about it. And it would be way too thick and way too cumbersome for them to understand or follow. And then again, how would following your spouse's manual for you foster love in your relationship? Probably wouldn't. Number two, marriage can be easy, yes, but you can always still strive to get better at it, to grow, to contribute, to foster more love, more unconditional love. You need a constant vigilance. You need to ask yourself, are you being creative? I mean, am I being creative in carrying my relationship on a daily or weekly basis? And this can mean different things, being creative and caring. What, depending on what your love language is, it can mean if you're if you're a gift giver, it can mean giving creative, special gifts, not necessarily expensive. It can mean spending time doing things that each other enjoy, creative things, things that you you think about and know your spouse would appreciate. You know, doing random act of kindness that uh, may not just be taking out the trash every day, or you know, maybe maybe that's what it is. So be creative, be caring in your relationship daily. Number three, find at least three days a year you can spend with you and your spouse, only you and your spouse, just to work on your marriage. Now, three days out of an entire year, 365 days doesn't seem like much, yet so many of us have a really hard time escaping from work or from the kids or from family or from wherever it is we are to spend three days solely on our marriage. Figure out where it is you want your relationship to go and what you're going to work on over the next year. Give yourself three days. This is the beginning of the new year, 2021. So friends, pick out those three days today. Number four, be aware of the three C's of masculine energy and the three U's of feminine energy. And what does that mean? Well, we all have masculine and feminine energy inside of us. We both do. Whether you're male or female, you have some female energy, you have some masculine energy. So figure out which one is your dominant energy. And then the three C's will apply to your if you're more masculine, then you don't want to be controlled. You don't want to be criticized. And you don't want to be in a relationship that's closed off or the partner is closed off. So if you're the feminine energy in the relationship, ask yourself, am I controlling? Am I criticizing? Am I closing myself off? Because those can wreak havoc on your relationship. And then, on the other hand, the feminine energy does not want to be unseen, unsafe, ununderstood, or not understood. So if you are the masculine in the relationship, your feminine partner, they want to be seen. Are you seeing your spouse? Are you creating a safe environment for your spouse? Are you understanding or attempting or showing that you are trying to understand your spouse? And if you're doing those things, seeing, creating a safe space, and showing you're trying to understand, then that's going to foster love in your relationship. And that is it, friends, for today. I hope you guys walk away asking yourself, Do I respect my spouse's individuality? Am I aware of the manual I have for my spouse? When do I make a priority? Who do I make a priority in my life? My spouse, my children, my parents. Who comes number one in my life? 
Do I enjoy telling the story of how I met my spouse? Do I assume my spouse will always be there, regardless of what I say or do? Well, if so, does that mean I'm taking them for granted? And how is this affecting our relationship? And lastly, where do I want my relationship to go in 2021? So powerful. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate you guys so much. All of your subscribes and shares and reviews. It means the world to me. Or I mean, or else I would just be talking to myself. So please reach out. Let me know how we could do better. If you have any specific people I want, any topics you want me to start asking my guests, any particular guests you want me to have on the show, anything. We're always striving to to do better and we're here to serve please reach out to me uh and also thank you for victor for coming on you guys may already know that he does facebook lives uh every other day or at least three three times a week on facebook in his 39.6 community where he talks about everything physician finance and just general finance so and then of course my facebook community if you are a physician you can join medicine marriage and money I have a website if you want to sign up for any coaching with me. I love to talk about relationships and how to enhance them, how to make them even better, how to love even more unconditionally. So thank you so much for your time this first Monday of 2021. Please go spread love into the world, fly away, and love. So much, so much love to you and your spouse. content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional, medical, or financial advice. The opinions provided on this podcast are those of myself or the invited guest alone. They do not represent the opinions of any particular institution. Always seek the advice of your physician or financial advisor with any questions you may have of a medical condition or financial plan. This is for your entertainment only.